0: Hello and welcome to College Sports Conversations presented by the NCAA. I'm Cameron Hsu. There are 32 members of the Division I Student-Athlete Advisory Committee representing one student athlete from each conference in Division I. Each one of these individuals has their own unique journey and story to tell. Today, my guest is one of those SAC members, Ashley Kozad from the ASUN Conference. Ashley is a recent graduate from the University of North Florida, where she was a record-setting swimmer and earned her English language, literature, and communication studies degree. She is currently pursuing her master's in English, composition, and rhetoric at North Florida. Ashley also earned a minor degree in deaf studies and is a research assistant gathering background information and quantitative data regarding the civil rights movement in 1968. Ashley, welcome.
1: Hi, it's nice to be here. Thank I'm you for taking grateful the time
0: for the opportunity. Awesome. Awesome. So, actually I'd actually I would love to start with that last part I just mentioned about your focus of study during your undergraduate time. Deaf studies and American Sign Language interpreting isn't a typical field we come across often in our conversations. What's the story behind pursuing that field?
1: Yeah. So in high school, I had the opportunity to take sign language as my foreign language requirement. And so I was involved with it for four years. We actually put on some plays that were fully in sign language, and I got really involved with that. And I was like, you know, I kind of want to do this in college. So I originally came in as an interpreting major. I realized that wasn't exactly the route that I wanted to go, but I still wanted to incorporate the language into my education. And I already had more so of a credit thing. I had a lot of credits going in and they were like, you know what, this is something I could pursue. And so I got my minor in deaf studies. I still not so much regularly practice the language all the time, but I'm very fluent and I could hold a conversation and it's something that I'm really glad that my university could provide. The University of North Florida is the only public institution in the state of Florida that offers majors and minors for deaf studies and deaf education. Wow, I
0: was actually going to ask that. So that's that's fascinating. Yeah, so
1: the Florida School for the Deaf is actually in St. Augustine, which is about 45 minutes south of Jacksonville, Florida. And so there's a really big market for it and not a lot of people know about it. And there's really great opportunities in it. And a lot of my friends and myself took advantage of that
0: i love that so so even beyond the opportunity to swim it was that aspect that north florida offered that degree that got you to go there
1: huh? oh for sure yeah i wasn't exactly sure which major i had yeah. going in but it was something that i was looking at and i knew that i could pursue there that i couldn't pursue at other state universities in florida for that public university tuition <laughs> no, that's,
0: oh yeah, I, I love hearing. that's so great it's, yeah. it's always fascinating to hear the journey Of how someone picked the school they did yeah so that that, i love that um so now as you're focusing on this school work that that you're doing um you're also setting massive records in the swimming pool and bear with me here (laughs) you currently hold the 200 medley relay 400 freestyle relay and 800 freestyle relay records for unf Yes. You're also in the top 10 all time in the 50 freestyle, 100 freestyle, 100 butterfly and 200 butterfly. My goodness. Yeah. Well, I didn't even know that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So what what's the driving force behind the, this success in the pool?
1: Honestly, so swimming is a very individual sport and it's really easy to get caught up in the, oh, I'm only here for me. But it's really important to remember that you are there for a team and that we win as a team and we lose as a team. And the people around me are so amazing. My coaches are amazing. I love training with my group. We have our specialty groups and they have all really been a driving force. And as I've gotten older and there's definitely that competition of, oh, I don't want the freshman to beat me or I don't <laughs> want the software to come in. So you want to you stay relevant. Yeah. And that's something that I've really worked towards and having that drive has been really really important.
0: Well I, I think it's clear to say you stayed relevant. <laughs> Man, That's a lot of records. I'm impressed. Thank um, you. But now as if your studies in swimming wasn't enough you also uh, took on the role of being the chair of the North Florida SAC and the A-Sun representative on the national D1 SAC for the last two years. You know why, why was it important for you to add this responsibility on top of everything else you had going on?
1: Yeah, so my involvement with SAC, I got roped in almost my freshman year and was asked to be a sub for one of our conference SAC meetings in winter of 2020. And after that, I realized I was like, oh, my goodness, this is something that I could really excel in and I can represent my university at a conference level. At this point, I did not know National SAC existed. I was uh, only a sophomore, had no idea. And then because of the culture that the Aislinn conference created within our SAC group, I maintain connections with those people. And something we've discussed a lot is connections over transactions. And when you have a group of people that is so involved and so passionate, you wanna be a part of it too. And so one of my really good friends was the D1 SAC rep before me And he recommended that I would be the best person for the job. And so because of his recommendation, the coffers was like, okay, submit your application and we'll see how it goes. Because originally I was not going to swim for a fifth year and National SAC really harps on committing to two years. And I wasn't sure if I would be able to. Mm -hmm. And they were like, regardless, if she serves one year, two years, three years, she'd be the best. And that was it was very humbling to hear that from a really great colleague of mine. Oh, so that's great. That's kind of my involvement story. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I
0: love well and, and like you said, winter of twenty twenty. That's interesting time. Yeah. To be to It be was not right only... before yeah.
1: everything right before the pandemic. Yeah. So we went from a great culture environment of in person to yeah. being forced to being online. And so kind of Leading my school and leading the conference was difficult. But...
0: Well, and I'm, I'm so glad you said that because that's what I wanted to ask next. Yeah. Like, how how did you navigate that?
1: It was difficult. I'm not going to lie. So I was the president of my university, SAC, for two years from 2020 until July 2022. Yeah. And holding Zoom meeting SACs is not, <laughs> it's not the best experience. Yeah. And you really have to keep people engaged. And the one way that we did it was through social media highlights and continuing on with our community service drives. Like, granted, we couldn't go in person, but something that our school does is we create Valentine's Day cards for a local retirement home. And it was like, these impact your community, whether you know it or not. And so just reinforcing the idea that even if you can't be there in person, you're still impacting somebody, your voice still matters.
0: I love that. That's great to hear. So along with that, between what you had to do at, at North Florida, and then your division one, your national SAC um, coverage, what's been your biggest takeaway from your time on the national SAC committee?
1: My biggest takeaway, wow, um, there's a lot, but <laughs> I would say that not to underestimate how much power your voice has, because when I'm in these meetings, especially on standing committees, it can be a little scary to talk up at first and say what you is on your mind, but The people are there for you. They're here for the athletes. And it's really important to remember that and to also understand that you're representing your whole conference. And that's something that it wasn't difficult for me, but just continuously reminding myself I am representing 12, 13, 14 schools at one point and that I have to be the voice of thousands of athletes. And that's probably one of my biggest takeaways.
0: That's awesome. And I I know that can probably be intimidating, but at the same time, knowing that your voice is the whole purpose of the NCAA, Yeah, you know, like everything that the NCAA does is for the student athlete experience and the betterment of that. So being able to just have that bigger picture is wonderful. Yeah. Um, now I want to take a look at where you are currently. And and now you're a graduate research assistant helping with a book about the civil rights movement in 1968. You know, That's, that's fascinating. Tell yeah. me about that work and what led you to pursuing this.
1: So I actually got an email from oh, wow. the School of Communication in my program, and they were like, three professors, Dr. Arnold, Dr. Perkins, and Dr. Thor- Thornton, excuse me, yep. are looking for a research assistant for their book. And I was taught by Dr. Arnold in two classes. And so I was uh-huh. like, you know what? I could see myself doing this. I submitted my name, and two days later they're like, we want you. And I was like, wow, I didn't even t- give you guys my resume. That's uh, it was very it was very reaffirming. That's great. And so now one of my biggest responsibilities is gathering background info. And so they have like the ten themes of their chapters. A lot of it has to do with black newspapers in nineteen sixty eight and black owned newspapers and how they were perceiving um the different civil rights movements at the time, like including Martin Luther King's assassination, mm-hmm. the presidential election, um the Vietnam War, and then there's all different sorts of themes. There's about 10 or 11 chapters in the book. And so they're actually writing and I'm more so collecting. And it's been really really rewarding because you learn so much and yeah. just like I'm talking to them and they're like, "Yeah, and then there's this and then there's this <laughs> and then" they're very insightful people and they've taught me a lot and just i've really really learned how to utilize the school library (laughs) it's been it's been a really rewarding experience i'm gonna continue on with them i started in may up until the end of december we'll see if they extend me or if they'll conclude their work but yeah really really interesting and exciting experience for me
0: awesome and and i hope you don't mind i don't want to give away any any secrets of the book (laughs) but but for you what what's some what's If you could, one thing you've learned that just fascinated you about this research.
1: One thing that I've learned has been the disparities of the education systems and the difference because one of the chapters is called black versus white and the differences of the education within the integrated schools and the not integrated schools because um, integration was happening and they were desegregating and all those different things. The disparities were very, very real. And there's this book that I found and it was called Our Children's Burden, and it has about 10 different chapters regarding um, impacts on kids, not necessarily all in education, but the one that I'll focus on is on the Chicago School District and how they were interviewing different um, individuals and the impacts on their lives. And that was something that I would have never never found. And the thing with research is you find one thing, you find another and you go down a rabbit hole and it's not necessarily invaluable. It might not necessarily pertain to what you're looking at, but I love to learn and learning is something that excites me and it's something that I want to continue to do. And yeah, yeah.
0: that's awesome. man. I mean, like just being able to continue to do something that really fuels you. Mm -hmm. That's great. For sure. So as we close out our time here, I want to ask what we ask any student athlete that comes in the chair you're in now. And what advice would you have for current or and or incoming student athletes to get the most out of their college experience like you have?
1: Yeah, Um, I would say don't sell yourself short. Don't say, oh, I don't know if I can do this. I'm not sure if I'm the one because a lot of athletes come in and sometimes all they need is a little bit of a push of, hey, I think you'd be great for this or you would be really good at this. And I know coming in, like I was so scared coming (laughs) in as a freshman, had no idea what I was doing, didn't even know SAC existed, most people don't. And so not necessarily if you don't wanna go the SAC route, but don't be afraid to make an impact in your community and on your team because a lot of cities, they really look up to, like I know for us at least, they really look up to the universities in the city of Jacksonville, and we can have really great impacts on the community itself. So don't be afraid to go out in the community and learn more about where you are, if you're not local or things like that, and don't just stick within your sport. There's so much more opportunities within athletics outside of your sport that can really, really help you in the future.
0: Ashley, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I appreciate it. Thank you. And that does it for this edition of College Sports Conversations presented by the NCAA. Thanks for joining us, and I look forward to talking to you again soon.